Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Righty, well, we are in our third week in this series called Less is More, and we are talking about margin. So if you have your Bible, uh, open it up in the middle of the Bible to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number 21. If you have the Bible app, you can actually switch to the Bible app if you'd like uh, and follow the verses and also the message uh, notes there as well. Uh, but Proverbs 21 is where we'll be this morning. I heard a quote this week that it almost sounds like a Bible verse, but I'm 99% sure it's not, okay? And it says this, Blessed are those that are flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. So as you are watching this from home this morning, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I, I think it's just a prayer I have for you, that in this season of uncertainty and... Um, news that comes in different waves into our lives. I pray that you are flexible. I pray that you will not be bent out of shape and that we will enjoy this service and next week's service uh, together online in this way. All right, we're in Proverbs chapter 21. How many of you would go ahead and say that this time of year, maybe more than other times of year, you find yourself stressed about finances? This is an odd subject to talk about the week of Thanksgiving, but I think it's very important because we are coming up on four or five of the most stressful weeks of the year, and oftentimes it's finances that kind of push us over the edge. I was talking with a family uh, this morning, uh, earlier this morning about it, and I was saying uh, the extra food that we prepare about Thanksgiving. By the way, on the list of things to spend money on, that one's not coming off my list right? We're spending money on Thanksgiving, uh, on food. Uh, The decorations that come up this time of year and some of the elaborate designs. I know those of you who live in Douglas County, there are a couple of houses every year that Libby and I make a point of visiting this time of year because the elaborate displays and and that costs money. Um, There's family that uh, might need to travel here and there, or uh, there's extra fuel because you're, you're shopping more, you're, you're doing Christmas shopping. And then fourth of all, there's presents, right, that come. And so this time of year, the finances can be a particular uh, pressure point in a lot of families' homes. The good news is this, financial stress is completely normal, if you're feeling it. The bad news is this, it's normal. Financial stress is normal. Debt is normal. Putting payments on things is normal. Uh, Having to figure out which bill to pay and which one can you skip this time, that's all normal. Financial stress is absolutely normal. And so with all of those stresses, you know what else is also normal? Uh, Worry, anxiety, fear. How many of you would be honest and maybe courageous enough? You're at home, so I hope you can do that. And maybe for the few that are in the room this morning, you can join me. How many of you say you've actually even had a, let's, let's not call it an argument, let's call it a, a strong discussion about finances in your home. Don't go elbowing the person next to you on the couch. 
But yeah, this is the time of year where that happens. Worry, anxiety, fear, all of that is normal. We have been talking about what it looks like to have margin in our lives the last few weeks. And so as we kind of jump into this uh, discussion on embracing margin into our finances, for those of you who are new to this series, let's, let's define what we're talking about. What does it mean to have margin? What is margin? So margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. It's the amount that you have that is available uh, beyond what is necessary. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. So help me out. Financially, those in the room answer and those at home answer. Let's do this. If you earn $3,000 a month and you spend $2,500 on bills, how much margin do you have? 500. We got a quick bunch this morning. 500 is the answer. Yeah, $500 a margin. That's the available beyond what is necessary, financially speaking. Um, If you earn $3,000 a month and you have $3,000 worth of bills, what is your financial margin, church? It's zero, right? You say, Daniel, that's nothing. I got $3,000 worth of bills or $3,000 worth of income and I have $4,000 worth of income or bills. Yeah, there's no margin there, right? You're actually in the opposite situation. So what does it look like to have financial margin? Why is it so important for the life of a, of a believer? I want to start in Proverbs chapter 21. Verse 20 says this. There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. That's quite the image, isn't it? That's quite the word picture. We're talking about two different uh, homes, two different dwellings. We have one of the wise and one of the foolish. And in the home of the wise, the Bible records that there's precious treasure. There's oil in the dwelling of the wise. But in the dwelling of the foolish, he swallows it all up. In other words, there's no margin. In the house of the wise, there is margin. In the house of of the wise, there's more than enough. In the house of the wise, there is more than you need. But a foolish person swallows it all up. Now, what's interesting is, look at this verse again. It doesn't say, in the house of the wealthy, there's margin. It doesn't say, in the house of a six-figure income, there's margin. It doesn't teach us that in the house of the to uh, the two-income family, there is margin. There's a completely different standard. He says, in the house of the wise. The Bible teaches us that there's a wise way to manage money that God entrusts us. And if there's a wise way to entrust, uh, to use money, there's also a foolish way to manage the money. We're going to go to the New Testament to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul is writing a letter to young Timothy, who's a young pastor in Ephesus, in first century Ephesus, and he has a discussion about money starting in verse 6. He says this, but godliness with contentment is, what's the next two words, church? Great gain. Now this is interesting. I want you to understand, Paul doesn't say um, godliness with contentment is pretty good. He doesn't say that it's a decent gain or a marginal gain. It's almost like he's writing with passion. And so he says here, this is a big win. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's fantastic. Uh, We go to verse 7. He says this, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out 
of it. The old pastor joke, and I feel like I'm, I'm bordering on an old pastor now, so I'm going to use it. Um, you don't ever see a hearse pulling a U-Haul behind it, right? Because there's for certain, like Paul says here, for certain we brought nothing into this world, and when we die, we are taking nothing with us. He continues in verse 8, and he says this, if we have food and clothing, that's the requirement, food and clothing, we will be content with that. Being content with what we have and what God has provided with us. He goes on to say in verse number 9, those who want to get rich or those who desire to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Boy, those who desire to get rich above all else, they fall into temptation. Lust and greed and the, the God of accumulation and the, the God of getting more starts taking over your life. He goes on in verse 10 and he says this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Depending what translation you look at this verse, the other word is described as with many sorrows. I want you to think about what kind of griefs and sorrows exist that we see today. We see debt causing tremendous amount of grief. We see financial pressures causing tremendous amount of grief. We see stress and financial tension. We see people unable to enjoy the blessings they do have because they're so concerned with getting more. And as a result, they've wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. Um, think about those two phrases. They've wandered from the faith. We've talked about how our walk with God is just that. It's a walk with God. And here Paul paints a picture of someone walking with God and all of a sudden they just start wandering. You ever wander aimlessly at a grocery store? How about Costco? You just start wandering and pretty soon you're walking out with an $800 bill, right? Is that just me? Yeah, it feels like it, right? You just wander from place to place. And then it says, they pierce themselves. In other words, this is a self-inflicted injury. This, this financial decisions that are crippling your life, crippling your relationships, crippling, crippling your financial stability. These are self-inflicted wounds. So what's the problem? I would say this. The problem is this. Somebody is lying. And our culture is lying to us. If you're taking notes on the outline provided, our culture's definition of happiness is this, more than I currently have, right? Yeah. How much money do you have? Oh, you just need a little bit more. What kind of car do you drive? A 2018? It's two years old? Yeah, there's, there's more you could have. How many cars do you have? Four? That's it? Yeah. Our culture's definition of happiness is, boy, whatever you have, just add something to it and you'll have more. Our culture tells us, boy, you deserve it. If you cannot afford it, make payments. Get it now. Make those decisions to gratify yourself now because if you have this stuff, you will be happy. In our culture, most of us have lifestyled our way out of margin. As the oil tycoon John Rockefeller so famously said, when asked how much money is enough, Mr. Rockefeller, he said, just a little bit more. 
Sad to say, and I think this is, this is very true, and, and I'll, uh, I'm going to try to be uh, pretty candid in today's message. This is an incredibly practical message, but I would say I had an improper value on money uh, in my 20s. And most of my problems were not income problems, but lifestyle problems. If you're following with our notes, most of our f- financial problems are not income problems, they're lifestyle problems. And if we have lifestyle problems, the root is normally a spiritual problem. Because most of us would say, boy, if I only made a little bit more money, it's almost like last week's discussion on, on rest and time. If I gave you three more hours in the week, I doubt you would use them to rest. If I gave you more money, I doubt you would use that for just giving away. Most people have this opinion that if they had more income, then it would fix their problem. And yet most people, as your income goes up and your lifestyle trails, eventually you just raise the level of your lifestyle. And we have no margin because of a lifestyle problem. For a lot of us, these things are not just things. They're actually part of our identity. I read a book uh, a couple weeks ago, and one of the things it discussed is that the new recreational activity that has actually replaced religion is now shopping in American culture. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6, he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermins do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Most of us read that verse, and and the way that our mind transfixes is, is, uh, where your heart is, there will your money be also. And that would be nice if it was true. But uh, Scripture is very specific. Where your treasure is. In other words, if you show me where you spend your money, I will show you what's important to you. That's a frightening thought. I wonder what our invitation would look like at the end of our service is if we just asked for your bank statement. There was an audible gasp. If we just had a moment to identify our bank statements and say, okay, this is what you care about. You spent money here. You spent money here. Huh. You're not spending money any money here. Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So here's the thing. If this is the problem that culture has been lying to us, if this is the problem that the lie of happiness says that we have to have more, that our problems are not really income problems, but they're actually lifestyle problems, if this is the problem, what do we do? How do we create financial margin? Now, here's, here's the awesome answer. You don't, it's not even in your notes. It's that simple. You earn more or you spend less, Right? Like, that's the simple math. How do you create more financial margin? Earn more or spend less. Either or both will do it for you. But here's the thing. Most of us are not in a position to go out and just earn more or else we would do it. And most of us have a hard time identifying where do we spend less. So what are some practical, what are some ways that you can create financial margin? How do we do that? Well, the very simple answer is this. You must put God 
first in your finances. You got to do it. It's an act of trust. It's an act of faith. Let me talk to you for just a minute if you are new to giving consistently. You've, you've given money before to causes to the church, perhaps, that are important to you, maybe a handful times of a year, but you've never given, uh, given money charitably on a consistent level or a consistent basis, I should say. Let me talk to you for just a minute. Most of the time, we are so intimidated in our giving that we don't ever start. So let me just ask you this. Can you give a dollar every week? Can you give five dollars? every week. Can you give 10? Can you give 20? What, what's the level that you can financially give right now? That is what putting God first requires, is a thought process that says, I'm going to put you first, and therefore I'm going to start doing something now. In our world, we tend to come first. If we want it, we're going to get it. If we have anything left over, then we'll think about what to do with it. But when we put God first, you're going to see three incredible blessings in your life, and that's where we're going to spend the next few minutes of today's service. What are the three things that happen when you put God first in your finances? Number one, this is what happens. You will experience God's blessings you will experience God's blessings. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says it this way. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Here in the New Testament, Paul describes our lives as being enriched every single way. How would you like your life to be enriched? This is what happens when we're generous in our giving. God says in the Old Testament, He says in the book of Malachi, He says, test me, prove me on this one subject, that if you give, I will not rain down the blessings from heaven so much you won't be able to contain it. It's the only time in the Bible God says to test Him. Now, we test God in a lot of different ways, don't we? We test them in traffic. We test them with our own lives. We test them in a lot of different ways. And yet the only, way, the only time God actually asks us to test them in order to prove Him 100% faithful is in the area of giving our finances. It's one of the most tangible ways that we can put God first. It requires us rearranging our lives. I would go as far to say this. If you cannot or if you are not putting God first in your finances... He doesn't come first in your life. Is it okay that I said that? Yeah, it's the truth. How many of you remember your first job? Mine was at McDonald's. I was uh, 16 years old. Um, the moment I was eligible to get a gainfully employed job, my dad was really, really, the nice way to say, encouraging me to get a job. I was a sophomore in high school, and I lived... Uh, Literally, uh, so, so, so where I'm standing now is right across the street from the courthouse. I lived right across the street uh, from my high school. So I had a short commute home, and I had all this extra time. And so my dad encouraged me to get a job. And I, I just walked around uh, the, the area I lived in, and I just went to a bunch of places. Um, this is my time to confess to you that my application was not good enough to be hired by In-N-Out Burgers. 
To this day, I just, I, I feel a little bitterness, I'm not going to lie. Those white uniforms with a big old safety pin in the back. Something about them, I just wanted to do it, couldn't do it. I had to settle for McDonald's. I got my job at McDonald's, and uh, I don't remember how many, boy, I want to say I probably made four seventy-five an hour, something like that. I think it started with a four. Um, and I worked, you know, a few hours after school, and then like all day Saturday, that kind of thing. Um, and I remember I got my first check, and in my mind, it's somewhere about $118 or so. And I got that check home, um, and my dad and my mom took me to the nearest, I want to say it was a Wells Fargo, and I opened up my first checking account with my name on it and my dad's name on it, and I put in that hundred and some odd dollars. And my mom, right there, in the bank said, uh, pull out your checkbook. I said, what? Why? She goes, uh, you're going you're gonna to write out your giving. And right there, she taught me that I was going to give every time I got paid. But here's the thing my mom did. She said, your first paycheck, all of it goes to God. So as a 16-year-old boy, I sat there, tears blubbering, I'm sure, writing out a check for 118 some odd dollars, taking my account to zero, and giving it to the church that next Sunday. I can't tell you how grateful I am for that moment in my life. That my parents would take the time to teach me about giving. I will tell you this, I would love to tell you that from that point on, I just became the most generous giver, and it's not true. I've already admitted I was, I was very poor with my money in my 20s. And, I, and I, I, I made bad decisions and I had to pay the consequences of those bad decisions. But the example that was born into me as a young man and as a, as a, as a child even going to uh, church and my parents giving us all uh, the opportunity to give some money every single time the offering plate was passed by, now I value that so much. And I can tell you now that even... Even Libby and I, as we, as we sit down and we look at our finances uh, pretty regularly, um, and we ask ourselves, where can we be generous? Where, where can we give more? We went through the process of buying a house this year, and one of the values that we had is we were not going to buy a house that would take our budget so beyond what is available that we couldn't be generous anymore. In fact, we made a commitment that when we bought our house and our bills were going to go up, our giving was going to go up too. You will experience God's blessing. But you have to start. You have to start. So again, if, if you're new to giving consistently, can you give a dollar? Can you give five dollars? Can you give ten? I kind of feel bad for Darren right now because he's going to do an offering meditation soon. And if this whole message is an offering meditation, I should have told you that. Number one, you will experience God's blessing. Number two is this. What happens when you start giving? You will be supernaturally content. It's an amazing phenomenon. When you seek God, when you pray, when you ask for His direction, when you do the work with you and your spouse, you and your family, and say, hey, we're going to put God first in our finances, you will become spiritually content. Look at Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 16. Everybody in the room, what's the first word of this verse? Better. 
All right, everyone at home, everyone in the room, one, two, three, the first, ver- the first word of this verse is better. What you're about to read is better than before. It says this, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. I'm going to be honest with you, there's very few people that believe that verse. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, we believe that the Word of God is true, that it is absolute in our lives, and we must take God at His Word and say, Lord, this doesn't make sense that if I have less money than I started with, that I'll be more content, that it'll be, it'll be better in my life, but I trust you, and so I'm going to give. And when you seek God first, what ends up happening is you get closer to God, and the closer to God you get the need for those other things in your life to provide fulfillment and satisfaction do not be, will not be as strong anymore because God ends up being enough. You're not driven with trying to fill your life with something out there because God is enough. And when you seek Him first, when you give, when you put Him first, you will experience His presence, His provision, and His blessings. You will become supernaturally content. So first, you will experience God's blessing. Number two, you will become supernaturally content. For those of you keeping track, we are rounding third. We're coming home. This is almost it. You will end up with more of what matters. You will. You may not have what everyone else has. You may not enjoy all the material possessions others have. But you will end up with more of what matters. Proverbs chapter 8 is is God talking about wisdom, which is really himself. and, And this is what he says in verse 18 and 19. He says this, With me are riches and honor enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit, God says, is better than fine gold, and what I yield surpasses choice silver. He says this, that the things I give are better than the things of this world. And when you seek Him, when you put God first, yes, it will be difficult at first. Yes, the math won't make sense at first. But what you will see over time is that your life will become blessed. You will see over time that you will start becoming supernaturally content with what God has provided. But you will also see, you will see that God keeps His word and that you will end up with more of what matters. Because here's the thing, when you have uh, a margin in your time, when you have margin in your finances, you end up spending more time with people you love. You start investing in the things that are the most important. You will be rich relationally. You will be rich spiritually. You will be rich in the things that matter most when you put God first. Dallas Willard put it this way. He said this, The cost of discipleship is high, but the cost of non-discipleship is even higher. Here's the thing. What if I told you that there was a way you could experience God's blessing? What if I told you there was a way that I could help you become supernaturally content? What if there was a way I could show you that your life could end up with more of what matters? Most of us would be all in. And then we hear it hinges on our finances. And all of a sudden we get nervous, don't we? It's hard, it's difficult. But the cost 
of doing this is high. You have to pay attention to it. You have to portion out time to discuss what you're going to do with your money. You, you, the money is a tool and you have to tell it what to do. Uh, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes dollars. You, you have to rework some things. But let me encourage you with this. The cost of not doing that, it's way higher. The cost of not doing that means oftentimes you chase material possessions to give that satisfaction that only God promised in the first place. You end up having uh, more and more anxious spirit because you're, you're tracking every bit of money and you've got to stay even with the Joneses or if you don't live next to Jay and Dorothy, the whoever's that you do live next to. It gets really hard. It gets really difficult. And the, the comparison ends up becoming the thief of joy. Comparison ends up becoming the thief of joy. The choice really is yours. Do you want to put yourself first or God first? Putting God first is better. There's a life out there where God will bless you. There's a life out there that you will be supernaturally content. There's a life out there where you end up with more than what matters. So here's my challenge to you. If you've never given consistently in your life, this is your week. You get to do it starting right now. In a few moments, we're going we're gonna to show the screen that shows how to give digitally or online, or you can send us a check or, or mail it to us, or you can, uh, you can drop it off in the, uh, the, off, uh, the mailbox here at the church office. And I want to clarify, I'm not asking for your money. God's asking for your heart. So if you've never given consistently in the world, figure out what that looks like right now. Is it a dollar? And I'm telling you, if that's what it is, God's going to bless that dollar more than you could ever imagine. Is it $5 a week? Is it $100 a month? How do you get paid? You got to think that through. Whatever it is, I want you to commit right now that you are going to experience God's blessing. You're going to be supernaturally content and you're going to end up with more of what matters. This is not a decision of whether or not you give. This is a decision whether you trust God at His Word. Let me talk to you for just a minute. If you've, if you've given consistently all over your life, I want you to do something. I want you to pray for the person that's listening right now that's never given, that they would experience the kind of blessings you've given from giving generously and consistently. I also want you to think about the next six weeks of your life and I want you to think about, boy, you've given generously, you've given consistently. What's the one area God is asking you to give towards in the next six weeks? As we think about the next two holidays, as we think about families in need, as we think about people in our community in need, what's the area that you could give where you'll end up with more than what matters? We're going to bow our heads and pray in just a moment. Let me tell you what's going to happen. It's our online service, but we're going to treat it just like a normal service. So this is what I want to encourage you to do. Don't log off. Don't click end. Don't check the score of the game. Stay with me for just a few minutes because this is the most important time. In a few minutes, I'm going to bow for prayer and our worship team is going to begin playing and they're going to help us worship in just a moment. But as I pray, if, if you're married and you're sitting next to your spouse, I just want you to reach over and grab their hand during this prayer. And I want you two to commit to lead your home in generosity. If you're a teenager, I'm going to ask you to lock in right now. 
And I, wanna, I want you to ask God how you can be generous with the part-time money that you have, with the job that you have. If you are a single adult or maybe you're retired or, 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 or you are in control of your finances and there's no one else in your family, I want you to pray that God gives you the courage to take him at his word. You ready? Let's do this. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our worship team is going to come forward. They're going to prepare to lead us in some songs that declare what we believe about God. And as they do, God, I, I am praying for my church family. I'm praying for the person that's never given before consistently. I'm praying for the family who, um, who has a hard time imagining what it looks like to give part of their paycheck every week or every two weeks. I pray that, Father, we would experience your better life. And Father, right off the bat, I want to ask for forgiveness for all the ways that we sell out for the things that do not last. Father, I pray for those who are seeking a better way through your word. God, I pray that you would bless them in every way possible. I pray that as we put you first, we would see you do more and more and more. God, I thank you for ahead for the ways that we are going to see the way you provide. I thank you that the power of giving will break the grip of materialism in our lives. I thank you that we will be content. Father, may you May we be blessed with the gift of contentment as we give. And God, I, I thank you that our, our lives will be filled with more of what matters. God, give us the courage and the faith to say no to what everyone else might crave so that we can have what no one else does, and that is more of what matters. God, it's going to take work. And we're going to try to learn, but you're going to have to teach us to put you first. So this week, I'm praying for a flood of, of new faith and trust in the heart of believers. Teach us, God. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed for just a moment there at the house there where you're watching, if you've never placed your trust in God and started a personal relationship with Him, I just want to remind you, you can, you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. The problem is, um, if we're talking about debt, the problem is this. Every one of us has a debt that we cannot pay. Every one of us have a sin debt that our bank accounts cannot pay. And God's only Son, Jesus Christ, came down to earth to live a sinless, perfect life so that He could die on a cross and pay that debt so that we would not have to pay it. And all He asks of us is that we believe, that we put our faith and trust in Him. Psalm says the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. And I know some of you are thinking, man, Daniel, uh, I'm just not, I'm not ready or I'm not good enough. Here's the thing, you're, you're never going to be good enough. 
I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be worthy of his salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's the gift of God so that no one can boast. The wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not because of the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So in this moment, I'd encourage you to put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. In a few moments, we're going to take communion together. Pastor Darren's going to lead us in a time where we honor and celebrate the gift of God in our life. And as we do, perhaps if you're sitting at home and you've never placed your trust in Christ, maybe today, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I can't think of a better time to put your faith in Him and to celebrate communion as a follower of Jesus Christ for the very first time. If you're a member of our church or you're a follower of Jesus Christ, let's determine today that we're going to take God at His word. And we are going to experience God's blessing, that we're going to be supernaturally content, and we're going to end up with more of what matters. Father, bless this time of worship as we sing these two songs that reflect what we believe, Father. that you are God Almighty forever. And we sing, Hallelujah, worthy is the Lamb. Help our hearts and our spirits to make decisions that will impact eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.